Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com or call 662-446-1048. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if... Hope I get this one right. <laughs> Be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo is in Hushpuckana. Hushpuckana. Yeah. Well, see, now I'm hungry. Sounds like hush puppy enough that you're thinking. Yeah. Well, good news. I'm going to get some hush puppies tomorrow. I'm still thinking about those hush puppies at Longs. They were good. They were good. You're you're not even a fan of like hush puppies. They were good. Cornbread. And yeah. I told you, I was like, you. I tried one. Like this. They were good. They were good. I'll give you. I'll give you credit for that. So yeah, now Hushpuckana. Hush, hush I think I got it right. I don't know. Well, let, let me look this up. You want to guess the county? Uh, Bolivar County. Yeah, well, that's not a guess because you obviously is, I, I, haven't haven't we done Bolivar before? We've done a few in Bolivar. We've done. It's, it's kind of wild. We sure. haven't we haven't done uh, Hush. I know we've done we've done uh Mount Bayou. I know that we've done uh I think we've done alligator. So that's gotta be the pronunciation, right? I mean it's, it's like it's a Native American somebody will hit like, us up tomorrow and let us know. Hushpaca- yeah. It's probably like Hushpakina or something like that. Hoosh. Hoosh hoosh. Hoosh. It might be it might actually be Hoosh Pakina. We'll see. If you're in Hoosh there, there's Pekina, somebody there's somebody that lives yes. there that listens to this. If you're in Hoosh Pakina or Hush Pakina or wherever it is you are in our great state, you can enjoy Strange Brew Coffee each and every morning. Just go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com in order to be shipped right to your door. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. Father's Day may have come and gone, but Dad always needs a new shirt. Don't let Dad show up at Davis Wade Stadium for the start of the Zach Arnett era and that ratty old polo he's been wearing for the last decade, all right? Don't don't let it happen. Time to get some new stuff and get it from College Corner. They've got great gear with the state script, with the M over S. Buy it today. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're originally by Fleet Feet, flowed by the half shell, or shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler, Starville's flagship restaurant, lunch, brunch, dinner, whatever the meal it is that you're looking for, it's the best one to be had in town is at Restaurant Tyler. Their dinner is outstanding, a great place to take anybody on a special occasion. But, hey, the special occasion can just be we're going to have dinner at Restaurant Tyler. Steaks, pork chops, pasta, and if you're a vegetarian, they've got some great selections on there for you as well. Plus, for dessert, I can't recommend it enough, the stuffed pancake. 
Just just trust old Uncle Brian on that one. When you want to have a special occasion, make it at Restaurant Tyler. Priority One Bank, 16 locations throughout central Mississippi ready to serve you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com to see which location is nearest you and open an account today that builds a relationship that's going to last you for a long, long time. When you need to talk to somebody about a loan, who do you want to talk to? Some corporate bank where you don't know anybody or the people you deal with every week at your local bank? I think that's an easy question for you to answer. If you're a Priority One Bank customer, you know how great their app is. It's smooth, it's streamlined, and you do a lot more on there than just move your money around. Go again to PriorityOneBank.com to find the location nearest you. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. So, uh, so, uh, so, so the correct pronunciation is Hushpukna. So we're just it, the E is just not is silent almost. That's right. There's actually a video online of the, you know, I think it's the SEC shorts and like some people that do some of those funny Southern yeah. things. They are pronouncing like a ton of Mississippi mm-hmm. towns on there. Mm-hmm. So like, one. you know, uh, Hushpukna. Gaucher and so oh, I knew Gaucher. that's in there. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if they have, and sure enough, they have Hush Puckna in there. Hush Puckna. Okay. Well, now we know. There you go. Now we know. Here's something else we know. But Robbie, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say something here. I'm gonna make a statement that people might find controversial, and some might even find offensive. But I'm gonna tell you this right now. I love the portal. I love the drama. Call me la- drama llama mad at mama. Why? I love it. I, I, I can't. Why, why are why are you why are you this way? I don't know, I don't know, but it, it just it it tickles my fancy to see somebody go into the portal and fifteen hours later they're like, nope, I'm good, I'm coming right back out. So it's it's almost like a, a swimming pool that's too cold. You get in there for a minute, you're like, oh, it's it's fine, it's fine, and then two minutes later, like, you know, no, I can't, I can't, it's too cold. That's that's what what's what we're dealing with here. I love it. Well, that's I didn't it. like it yesterday. But I'm in the content business, Robbie. This is what I'm. I am too. I am too. You know, it was much more fun than that Mm. when Mississippi State got three, four stars and everybody was happy. Yeah, but we can have a lot more fun. We can have both, and then we get a piece of content today out of it. It all worked out in the end. Well, the best thing about it is we got like probably hundreds of thousands of page views out of that Mm -hmm. stuff yesterday, and it turned out to be good anyway for Mississippi State. It all worked out. The fact that everything's good makes it okay. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you that old Brian hated. Don't you say that again. Don't don't you say that again unless it's you know a good thing. Don't you say that. Don't you wish that evil. Don't ever say that. Stay here as long as you can. You don't have to moderate a message board anymore like you used to. So I don't hear it. I took that uh that you're just sitting back and watching the world burn now. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Some people like to sit back and watch the world burn. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. Anyway. We're going to make... Hey, Dad is going to be the new Joker. I could do that whole monologue, too. That's what I, I, haven't, oh, I, bet. I haven't memorized. So. <laughs> anyway. Dakota Jordan. He's in. He's out. He's in. He's in. He's, he's going to stay in Starkville. He's going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. We all wrung our hands. We all, by the way, I don't ever look at Facebook comments mm. because 
And if you're on Facebook and you're listening, I may I, I may be about to offend you again. But that is where the dumbest fans are. That is the old people who are like, he did what? It's all about the money now. It's 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 it, I can't stand it. So I went and looked at the comments on your article of him hitting the portal. Disaster. I, it did not disappoint. There's like 500 people in there who all just owe him an apology. It's incredible. Dakota disaster. Jordan will be a Mississippi State Bulldog. There. We hope. We hope. We we feel pretty confident. Robbie, how did this come to pass? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is yesterday. I felt like I had a really good grasp on what was going on. I talked to several people that were close to the situation. Everybody said the same thing. It really felt like, you know, everybody's on the same page. I have no idea how this happened. I, I really don't. I've reached out to some people today. They're busy. But whatever happened between him getting in the portal yesterday afternoon when we reported that, we were checking on that all day, by the way. And I think he got in the portal. He was officially in like late afternoon, maybe like 4 or 4.30. Yeah. It was, um, during, it was during Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah. So, you know, that the, I had checked several times. The the time where I got the go-ahead was at like 4.30 or 5. Mm -hmm. So from 5 p.m. until what we've been told, 6 a.m. when he called Chris Amonis and told him that he was going to uh, get out the portal, something happened. And, you know, everybody's saying, well, it's NIL related. He must have got a big back. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I, I'm sure that they're they're probably setting up a deal for him. I mean, I would be shocked if he didn't get a deal. He deserves one. Right. Freshman All-American. He looks like he's going to be, you know, one of the top two players on the team next year. He deserves a good deal. He deserves to be paid uh, and have a, a deal as good as anybody on the baseball program. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was as simple as it's just, uh, you know, he just got paid. I don't think that's what it was. And I don't think him going to the portal was all about that either. And I'm not right. saying that didn't have something to do with it. But I, I trust my sources on that he was being a little manipulated, a lot manipulated by people that I don't think have Mississippi State's best interest. And it's more not looking out for him as much as it is sticking into Mississippi State. Did it kind of come down to what I talked about yesterday, that at some point a person just has to man up and make their own decision. Is that what has happened that's here with the, Dakota Jordan? That's the that's the gist that I get. Okay. I think at the end of the day, he just said, "You know what? I don't want to go to Georgia, or I don't want to deal with these with with these teams recruiting me out of the portal. I want to be at Mississippi State." I, I truly believe that. I believe that from the very beginning. I thought that that Dakota Jordan was happy at Mississippi State. He can do everything that he wants to do at Mississippi State. I did not believe, and we said as much yesterday that he was making this decision all on his own. I think that there were a lot of people in his ear trying to get him to enter the portal, trying to get him to leave Mississippi State. And I think if, when, when the dust settled there and when he you know, got to himself and was able to kind of sit back and think about it, I think he wasn't truly happy about leaving Mississippi State. And people can get back to him. And, and he could go back in the portal. I don't know. But as of today, at 1.45 p.m. as we're recording this, Dakota Jordan's a Mississippi State Bulldog and tends to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And it, it's 
very intriguing to me that he has not spoken a word about this on social media. Yeah. All of this has played out behind the scenes. We've reported on both sides of the coin on this, but we've seen nothing from him. Yeah. No, no statement, no anything. I have a question for you. Have you ever gotten a phone call at 6 a.m. that was good news? No, I don't I, think I have. I think Chris Lamona set a Guinness World Record here. <laughs> the first ever person to get a phone call at 6 in the morning. That was good. 6 a.m. is, hey, uh, Grandma passed away. <laughs> that's the that's the kind of phone call we're getting at 6 in the morning. All right. Hey. Or, or uh, for my dad. Hey, Dad, can you come bail me out of jail? Yeah, uh, yeah that's what's I've happening that. at 6 in the I've had to do that in the morning. Hey, yeah. look, I just want to let you know you don't need to come into work today. All right. We had some downsizing and we've let you go. That's 6 a.m. All right. Can you imagine getting that call? To be, yeah. Hey, hey, d- we're firing you. You don't have to come into work. You you can you can sleep a little late if you want to. I'm, 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 rolling I'm back sorry. Over. I just woke you up. I'm sorry about that. So I had a moment like that with Bulldog Sports Radio where I knew that I was going to tweet. I got up at six in the morning to tweet. I wasn't doing Bulldog Sports Radio anymore. I went back to bed for three hours after that. I was like. The hell with it. What do I got to do? I just want to picture Crystal Munch being like, hello? Yeah. Well, you know, he he might have already been awake. No. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I'm think I'm thinking he was up late thinking about like, all right, so we're now we got to change what we're planning to do in the portal and maybe working with, with Charlie or maybe working with talking to Dakota. And then finally, like 3 a.m. he crashes, right? So he's been asleep for like a solid two and a half hours, right? The first 30 minutes he's tossing and turning. And then, and then he gets the Hello. Uh, yeah, Dakota. Yeah. Huh? Okay. Are you gonna come back? Are you gonna? Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm. I'm just. Uh, okay. Have you ever seen that picture? That is, <laughs> that's what that... the phone call was like, right? Dakota's just like, so, Coach, I'm gonna come back. Okay. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. It's have you? Have you ever seen that picture that his daughter posted on social media yeah. of him in the hotel room? That's what he was like. He's like, <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, no, he's no. just sitting there. He's just sitting there, like decompressing. Like, yeah. what time is it again? Six yeah. a.m. Okay, rolls I, over. I really his do. Wife's believe. like, who was that? It's Dakota. He's coming back. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. All right, let's go back to sleep. And she's probably like, thank God, I was worried yeah. about you. Like, I it it really would not shock me though if he was actually up. Like, I like. The stuff that he's got to do. I need to know when we when we finally talked to him. Like when you got that phone call at six a.m., were you awake or were you asleep? I want to know. Yeah, uh, how did I've, that go? I've got to know the. I've got to know the. Uh, the I got to know the specifics. So. Yeah. so, so long story short, your young nucleus still together. Now as you focus on pictures in the portal. You should be okay. But can I say this too? You, you because can say whatever I, you want. You I don't. I don't believe I mean, people. Uh, I want to balance in between the NIL and the fact that he just loves Mississippi State. I don't think he's coming back to Mississippi State just out of you know pure love. Right. I, right. I do think that Mississippi State got a deal for him in this NIL stuff. But can we please stop talking about you know everybody's going to come in still Mississippi State players and I mean that narrative's been put to sleep, right? Oh, it's because still gone. In, in every big sport that Mississippi State has. And I'll include women's basketball in that just because it's been successful for Mississippi State. And I would say that they're probably top 15 nationally in women's basketball NIL. Uh, So let's say football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball. Only one person 
has left Mississippi State for NIL, and that was Ra Ra Thomas, mm-hmm. who I think was going to leave no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the only guy that Mississippi State would have liked to have kept, and he just kept, you know, moving the goalpost when Mississippi State would try to make a deal with him. Right. They finally reached so, the point where they were just like, yeah, go on. I mean, Mississippi State has, has re- the retention that they've had has been staggering, if you think about it. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of teams in the SEC have lost players for NIL. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State has not lost anyone outside of Ra Ra Thomas in two years. They have kept everybody. So whatever they're doing, whatever Charlie Winfield is doing, whatever the coaching staff's doing, it's working. Is, is working. And Mississippi State is well funded. Yeah, we we got to stop that. That's sitting some you know you know Oliver Twist. Holding a cup out, please. Somebody give me two cents. Holy walnuts over here. You see a cane over here? Cup full of pencils. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, you shouldn't rest on your laurels here. State fans should still be given to this, but mm-hmm. the Bulldog Initiative is working. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you that it was my donation that made it happen. I ate Obies for lunch on uh, twenty four cents. You my twenty four cent roundup. Uh, when the when when Dakota Jordan and I, I mean I, I'm telling you that that's that, that Stonk and JJ the same way they saw oh okay yeah 24 cents big money uh, booster big money here. yeah <laughs> that's me big money booster got that cross money running through the program let's uh <laughs> let's move on into the rest of the show we I, I haven't told you, this is a really good show by the way we got all this fun stuff here but we've got a couple of great interviews coming up in the second half of the show that we're gonna get to we got an opponent preview today. So we're talking to Olin Buchanan from Texas, which is a really funny interview, especially at the end when he starts busting Texas's chops. Thought that was really funny. And then a good interview with uh, Chris Doring from the SEC Network. Talk a little college football with him. But let's get into that. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. It is summer. It is grill season. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. So when you need to uh, get that grill fired up, the second you fire up the grill, you, 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 know, you throw the charcoal on, you get it you get it hot. The next step is put the steaks on, put the burgers on. Or if you're cranking up the smoker, putting that brisket on. That's what you want to do. That's what your family wants. Nobody's going to be unhappy when they smell those steaks cooking on the grill. Make sure it's beef this grilling season. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. And the weekend's coming up, which means you need to check out their Sunday suppers. If you're checking them out, they'll have them on social media, what this week's menu is. Some really spun-up country cooking. You want to check it out. Last week, they had red snapper. They had a pork chop with a with a mushroom gravy. And then a, a whole, they had a, a big, like almost a prime rib, a smoked ribeye on the menu. I mean, some really fantastic stuff. But check out Sunday Supper this week. At Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of country. That's also another Bulldog Initiative business. Great products and great service is what every business likes to promise you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems, and they've been doing it for 48 years, going on 49 years. That's a long time to stay in business, and you can't do it unless you take care of your customers. So you know when you call Advantage Business Systems, when you buy a copier, a printer, a laptop from them, that you're going to be taken care of in the future. If you need service, you're going to call the people who made you the sale. And a lot of times they're going to be out there the same day to fix the problem because they're a Mississippi company. So they can get there quickly. They're not going to deal with out of state technicians or overseas call centers. That's the difference between being a neighbor and being a number. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. 
Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. The Collegiate Collection at the Rogue is the one. It, they've got the shirts, they've got the polos, they've got the pullovers that you want. Great styles, comfortable fits. Most importantly, they have the logos that you want. So head over to the Rogue and Jackson or shop online at therogue.com. You don't have to worry about looking like a walking billboard for Adidas any longer. All right, safe here. It's going to be okay. We're, we're not going to make you do that. You don't have to wear a banner M that's the size of a teenager's head. You can just wear a shirt that says, I'm a Bulldog fan, and I am not getting paid by Adidas. That's what you want. That's what they got. Check out the Collegiate Collection at the Rogue. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. It's hot. It's, 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 today's not that bad because it's cloudy. It's been looking like it's going to rain all day, but it hasn't. But when it's hot outside and you want a cool treat, the place to go is Dolce. 509 University Drive. Grab some gelato. Grab a milkshake and cool off in the summer heat. Oh, by the way, if, you, you know, if you're there early, 7.30 a.m. Tuesday through Saturday, they have a great breakfast. They have great lunch with their artisanal grilled sandwiches, grilled cheese sandwiches. But it's all about the gelato at Dolce. That's what, that's what the moneymaker is. So head over there. Treat yourself today. 509 University Drive. That's Dolce. It's opponent preview day. Here on the podcast, we are at week, uh, I guess it would be week 10? 10, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. What was the last one we did? Southern Miss. Southern Miss. But we're talking yeah. about Texas A&M today. Um, a game that Mississippi State has had the advantage in the last two years and has really kind of had the advantage since Johnny Manziel left campus. Uh, five and three against the Aggies in that time frame, despite the fact that I think, I don't know that they've ever been favored to beat Texas A&M in any one of those games. Um, a season ago, a, a game Mississippi State was able to force a lot of turnovers and score some points defensively. Will Rogers was very sharp in that game, very efficient. The running game was good. And Texas A&M, quite frankly, was just sort of all over the place. Uh, they made a quarterback change in the middle of the game. And that was sort of the game for me where I, that's where people really gave up on Texas A&M. The bad news is when you look at the schedule and you look at Texas A&M is the talent. They are a talented football team. They have five-star and four-star players. I think I think their blue-chip ratio percentage was 70-71%. So, I mean, they got a lot of talent. It's just about making it work. So let's get to our thoughts on that. But first, let's hear from uh, from our guest. Olin Buchanan has been covering the Aggies for a long time, now works for TexAgs.com and has been with them for a long time as well, as respected a voice on Texas A&M sports as there is. Let's get his thoughts on the Aggies and what may very well be a make-or-break season for Jimbo Fisher. Joining us now on the podcast, our friend Olin Buchanan from Texas, been covering the Aggies just about as long as anybody, so an opinion we're definitely going to have to respect. When I look at A&M this year, Olin, I think the term I want to use is cautious optimism. You know, We all saw what happened a season ago, but we all know the talent on that team, and we all know that Jimbo Fisher is a good coach, and Petrino is a good coach, and, and they've got players so when you look at this upcoming season, are you more optimistic or are you more cautious? Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Cautious optimism is the right way. But if I had to pick between the two, you know, I, I think I'm more optimistic. But it's definitely, you know, if I, if I can't qualify it as cautious optimism, um, the fact is A&M, like you said, does have a lot of talent. And uh, a lot of those players from that number one recruiting class a couple years ago are ready to play now. You know, there's a 
I don't care how talented you are. If you're a true freshman, you're still playing the SEC against uh, guys who are equally as talented that were equally uh, recruited that have been in uh, SEC games and SEC development programs for sometimes two and three years. So uh, you're going to have some growing pains no matter how good you are and how talented you are. Uh, so I think with those guys being ready, um, you don't want to use the – any excuses, but you have to acknowledge that A&M had an inordinate number of injuries and just, quite frankly, the arrival of Bobby Petrino. All those factors, uh, I think, are uh, give you reason for optimism. I saw enough of Connor Wiegman last year to know that that's a guy with talent, that that's a guy who can be a star in the SEC. And now that he's getting all of the reps as the starter, he's the number one guy. Do you see him? I mean, when I say a step forward, I, I could see him having a big step forward this year and being a guy because there, there's not an elite quarterback in the SEC this year. He's a guy that, with the pieces around him, could challenge to be an All SEC quarterback. Do you think he's capable of taking that big of a step forward? Well, I think he can. Uh, I think he can take a, a quantum leap. I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's going to be better than KJ Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. Or Will Rogers, who's been at Mississippi State forever, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think he can make, uh, you know, significant strides forward. I think he got better, uh, as the year went on last year. Um, and quite frankly, I think they should have made the move to him earlier than they did. Mm-hmm. I think if they would have moved, uh, moved to him as a starting quarterback, like midway through the year, they might have actually made it one another game or two. So, um, uh, now Jimbo Fisher will tell you that it's, still an open uh, competition between he and Max Johnson, and that Max Johnson actually, this is me telling you this, uh, for what it's worth, he did have a better showing in the uh, spring game. But uh, Connor Wigman, I do think, has the, and uh, here's that, that scary word, potential, mm-hmm. uh, to be A&M's best quarterback, uh, I believe, since since Johnny Manziel. Now, that's the bar's not that, that, that high, because quarterback plays here has been... Uh, has been spotty at best since, since Mansell. You know, they got a, one really good year out of Kellen Mond and a nice year out of Trevor Knight. But overall, quarterback play has left a lot to be desired. So, But I, I think potentially uh, he could be very good, and uh, I I expect him to be better this year than he was. You would hope he doesn't take a step back or have a sophomore jinx. When you think about Bobby Petrino, that's a guy who offensively he finds his playmakers and he gets them the ball and he puts them in position to not only make plays but make big plays. I thought last year that was one of A&M's big issues was that I didn't think they featured Devon A-Chain enough. I thought he should have been getting the ball you know, 30 touches a game. I don't know if he was capable of it, but that's as watching their games, that's what I thought. Who are the playmakers going to be for Texas A&M this year, and can Petrino put them in a position to shine? Yeah, I think uh, I think they have playmakers. Uh, I think I think A and M's receiving core. I hope this doesn't come off as a being all homerific here, but I think their receiving core is as good as anybody uh, as far as what they've proven to do. Uh, you know, if you've been paying attention, Nia Smith uh, has been really good here uh, for a couple of years. Now he got hurt last season and missed most of the year. Yeah. He's back. Uh, Evan Stewart was a freshman All American. Moose Muhammad, once uh, he got his feet under him after taking over for uh, Anai Smith, he, he did really well. Had a big game against LSU in that upset victory. And then the guy they they keep lauding and talking about, the guy you probably never heard of, named Noah Thomas. 
who's a big six six, two hundred twenty pound guy. You're right. And they keep telling you. You're right. This guy's Never heard of him. Special. You you haven't heard of me? No, I have not. Right, and 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 this is the guy they just keep going on and on about. So we'll see. Um, and you know the the running backs. Uh, Le'Veon Moss was a high four star guy when they brought him in, got him out of Baton Rouge. Imagine that. Wow. Uh, they're really excited about him, but nobody was going to get a lot of carries last year other than Devon A-Chain. And I'm kind of with you. They should have used him more and because he was really the only offense they had. But um, I think uh, what Bobby Petrino hopefully brings to this offense is a guy that uh, if you have a player like that um, not only utilizing but knows how to utilize him without the ball. As crazy as that sounds, I think yeah. A&M never used A-Chain like as a decoy to try to get the ball to somebody else. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I hear guys talking this year because we don't get to go into practice, but they talked about there's more pre-snap motion, uh, more deception, uh, more scheming to get one-on-one matchups that are favorable. And quite frankly, I don't think we saw any of that from A&M last year. I think one of the things that gets lost in Texas A&M season from a season from a year ago is that the defense was actually pretty good, especially as you mentioned earlier, to have so many true freshmen out there and have so many young players contributing. That was a really pretty good defense for Texas A&M. Now they're they, they've they're they're sort of battle hardened and seasoned and ready to play. They were a good defense a season ago. Can they be an elite defense this year? Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, here's the thing about last year. if you And really, all that matters is the points allowed, right? Mm-hmm. So they have averaged, I think, 22 and change, 22.2, something like that. And yet, when you look at what they did, you know, statistically, you scratch your head and say, how did they do that? Because they're, they're, everybody in Mississippi knows their running defense wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't get a pass rush. They didn't create turnovers. But they were able to keep guys, uh, you know, teams out of the end zone. And like you said, um, there was a lot of guys who were freshmen that, you know, figured to be growing up a little bit to be better. They had both of their linebackers were first year starters. They did not play well. You'd like to think that in a that a guy will be better in a second year starter. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, you know, somebody a, a, a gift from Mississippi that we really appreciate, McKinley Jackson, this yeah. half the year. Because of injuries, and when he played, he made a difference. And uh, Fidel Diggs, who was their only real consistent pass rusher, he missed half the year because of injury. And you know, with McKinley and and Fidel back healthy, and you know, hopefully staying that way, uh, uh, they should be better just on that alone. So, you know, you what you're doing is you're hoping for uh, growth and improvement that typically, but not always, comes. Uh, with a year of experience, and there's some concern, I think, uh, about the secondary, but mainly it's on on depth. If they can stay relatively uh, injury-free, then I think they have a chance to be pretty good. I think this is going to be a good A&M team. I think they'll bounce back. I think they're too talented to not have a good season. But you have to ask the question, right? What happens if it goes bad again? What if this is a 6-7 win team or, or, goodness gracious, has another season like they had a year ago? What is the end outcome of that in College Station? Well, that's the $72 million question, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Are you, are, you, are you ready to eat $72 million or, or something in that neighborhood? And, you know, the people I talk to, the, a few of the, of the real 
big money people uh, associated with A&M says that they have the money uh, if it comes to that. Now, I don't know if they do. Now, here's what you run into, though. What if you finish, like you said, seven wins, but, you know, you played relatively uh, competitively in some of the games you lost, mm-hmm. and you you think if you made a, a coaching change, are you going to see a, uh, an exit, a mass exodus of all those guys from that number one recruiting class? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to say, okay, let's stand pat and see what's going to happen with those guys? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I do know that uh, Jimbo Fisher's predecessor was uh, fired after averaging about eight wins a year for six years, and we're coming into a was six years for Jimbo Fisher. So um, he's been given every, I would think, ingredient necessary to have a uh, an elite program. You know, they're still building stuff on. They got tremendous facilities, great fan support. Uh, geography, all the football players in uh, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, and uh, uh, Houston, as well as East Texas, they're all within three hours of us. Uh, so there has to be some demands. I, I would say this, if they, if they have a, a, another disappointing year, it would not surprise me if they made a, a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they decided to give him one year after, after that, uh, then uh, I would think it, it's it's winter it's winter else. So uh, I don't know. I can't tell you if I think if they go say eight and five, if you'll get or seven and six, or like you said five and seven, if you'll get five five and seven, probably. Yeah. But I'll say this: they had better win at a high rate by t- no later than twenty twenty four, and it may be twenty twenty three. One last question, and it's not about this season at all. Are you excited that Texas A&M Texas is back on the schedule? Uh, I kind of like the uh, last few years uh, here in <laughs> Texas whining about not being able to get that game and going through the media and crying and whining about it. Um, uh, and you know, because they needed it, just proved they needed A&M worse than A&M needed Texas. Because you know, their problems they've done a lot of construction, want to sell season tickets and pay for stuff. And they don't have a big time game at home because they play Oklahoma and Dallas every yeah. year. And AM saying, look, we're playing LSU every year. We're playing uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State every year. We're playing Alabama and Auburn every year. And we got Notre Dame coming up on our schedule. Yeah. We played Clemson. We don't need you. Uh, but now that, that, it's, that it's been rescheduled, heck yeah. You know, the, I, I think the, the prevailing uh, opinion was, hey, we enjoy playing more national type games, non-conference, but you're going to be in the conference now, and so just come on over and let's kick your ass. <laughs> hey, Texas has a huge game in Austin next year. Mississippi State's on the schedule. We're, we're coming to see them. We'll see how that goes. You know, historically, yeah. I know this because I, I worked at the Austin American Station for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Historically, Texas hasn't had a lot of success with Mississippi State. Well, it helped that we had Jackie uh, no Sherrill over here, so, you be, know. Whether it be whether it be uh, Texas Longhorns in Austin or uh, poor Longhorns uh, on the practice field at Mississippi State, you know, the, in Starkville, they, they they haven't done well. No, you're you're right about that. Thanks to Jackie Sherrill for that one. We we always have that in common. Oh, if you can from Texas, really good stuff. Appreciate your time, sir. All right, thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Olin for his time. Appreciate that. 
Cautious optimism, right? That's how everybody is going to be feeling about Texano. I, I think it's sort of like that hot stove that you're not sure if it's still hot. You don't want to touch it and get burned again. People last year put Texas A&M in the top 10 preseason. They finished five and seven. Nobody wants to do that again, but there's no denying that this team has players at almost every position. And if they play to their potential and they get the right coaching, they're going to be a tough team to beat. But we've, we've been saying that for a decade. You're not wrong. It's just I, like I, I've, I've been saying for almost a decade, prove it. They, they've had two years where I thought they were really good. And that was Johnny Menzel's, um, was it 20, it was 2013 where they went to Alabama and won, wasn't it? Or was it 12? 2012. Okay, 12. Uh, that year, they got real hot late in the season and they looked, they looked legit. Um, and then 2020, mm-hmm. they had a really good season and that all SEC schedule. Other than that, they have grossly underperformed every year. This is a this is a program that competes financially in the you know top ten nationally, mm-hmm. maybe even top five. Yeah. When you look at the the old money that they have, the resources that they have, they have they they should have no excuse. To uh, but to finish, you know, in the top fifteen every single year, and year in and year out, they struggle. So until they actually do it, I'm I'm going to continue to stay on this train. They're not going to do it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to continue to be down on on A and M just about every year, and I'm I feel like I have reason to be that way. So when we we, think we about- shouldn't hype them up when we know that they've never done it. Right. So when we talk about this game, you know, late November. Uh, Texas A&M versus Mississippi State. You know who knows what these teams are going to be at that point, but you know it's a situation. It's it, it's sort of like you just said. You know that A&M is going to be more talented, but you just feel like Mississippi State. Mississippi State. It, it feels like every year they play Texas A&M, even when they don't beat them, they don't have a problem punching them in the mouth. They yeah. they, they, they they seem to have a a, a a feeling going into each game that like. They can't push us around. We're we're the ones who are going to push them around. Sometimes they've been out talented. That's what happened in nineteen and twenty. But you look at these last two years. I mean, Mississippi State was clearly not more talented than Texas A and M, but they just refused to to be bullied by them and instead became the bullies in some way. Do you, is that what you foresee happening again when these two teams meet up in College Station? Yeah, for you know, for whatever reason, their their offense has especially been kind of finesse. But it's a weird finesse. Like they have old yeah. school philosophies in their scheme, but they're just not very aggressive. You know, like they've they've had the pieces there, and even even when your team's playing them, you're like, why are you not running the football? Why are you not utilizing your running game? Why are you not utilizing? Uh, and then you're and then you're talking about, well, why are you not utilizing your best wide receiver? It's like they they can never get it right. If they need to be getting the balls in their playmaker's hands on the outside and receiver, they don't do it. If they need to be getting in the ball in the in the playmaker's hands and running backs, they don't do it. So it's the offense to me is has always like been the problem since Jimbo Fisher has been there. And their defense is they've actually had some good defenses there. Yeah. Well, um, defense was pretty good. Yeah. So I mean in that regard, they have been physical on that side of the ball at times. But yeah, Mississippi State has kind of been a little bit of a, a a thorn in their side. It hasn't been a great matchup for them. 
every year. There's been some years, like you said, where they had more talent. But, you know, State has had some teams that weren't very good that's just blistered them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this year or not. We'll see. You know, Will Rod- Rogers went down there a couple years ago and State won that ball game. So it's not going to be a foreign uh, place for them. Right. But, um, yeah, it's just they're I just think, such a weird team. I think the big matchup is State's offensive line versus the AM defensive line. The AM defensive line is loaded. Four and five star guys at, at every position and, and it, too deep. Mississippi mm-hmm. State's offensive line, I mean, I don't know that there's a guy right now that I look at and go, he's a for, for sure NFL guy. They've been very effective, though. And so that's going to be the matchup to watch. If State can keep Will Rogers, uh, you know, relatively clean in the pocket, and if they can control the line of scrimmage the way they have the past couple of years, they're going to win this football game. But if AM can get pressure, it's going to be very difficult for Mississippi State to win because pressure is what's going to get that crowd going, 100,000 plus. And then that'll be an issue for Mississippi State. So that's the matchup I'll watch when we get to November. Always an interesting game. We'll see how it goes. So, again, I haven't memorized the schedule. Who, who are we talking to next week? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, Is it Kentucky? Uh, might be. I can't believe I haven't. I don't, it, that's, it is Kentucky. So, next week. We'll yeah, because it's usually around Ryan. Halloween when they play. Yeah. So, we'll talk uh, Kentucky Wildcats. You know, states played them, what, every year since the SEC split into divisions. This is the final year for that, uh, for, for, who, for no, who knows how long. They're not on the 2024 schedule. So we'll talk about the Kentucky Wildcats on uh, next week's show. Let's go down to our second interview. Chris Doring, former All-American wide receiver, and now uh, SEC Network analyst, does a SEC This Morning with Peter Burns. Talked to him about just some college football. Talked to a little wide receivers uh, with him, especially one in Maroon and White. His thoughts on Tulu Griffin at the end of this interview. Let's talk college football with one of the best to ever do it from the University of Florida now with the SEC Network. Chris Doring joins us here on the podcast. I'm going to put one right in your wheelhouse. I want to talk about receivers just to start here. I look around the SEC. I really like Malik Neighbors. I think he's an outstanding receiver. But when I look at the SEC this year, there's not a a Jerry Judy, uh, Devontae Smith, a Jamar Chase, a truly elite top-tier receiver in the SEC, in my opinion. Am I wrong, or, or is there somebody that you really, really like in this receiver class here in the SEC? No, you're, you're right. I mean, it, the names that you just ripped off, too, are, I mean, we're talking about elite wide receivers over the last three or four years, so it's 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 tough. It's a t- high bar to set it to, but it does seem like it's a, an interesting season in that we don't, Really have those those uh, standout guys that we're we're used to coming back. It, it feels weird in general between you know, receivers and quarterbacks. How many different quarterback battles there are, and and you know at a place like Alabama, not having that incumbent that we've grown used to, and what they've gone through with 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 Jalen to Tua to Mac to Bryce. I mean, it, it felt like you always knew who the next one was going to be, and that you were going to be in capable hands, but. It, it certainly is a um, a little different situation at, at Alabama and a number of other schools this year as it talks about pass throwers and pass catchers. You mentioned Alabama there. That's a team that's very interesting to me because I think people always want to to jump on board on the idea that this is it and, and they're finally starting to fall apart. And I always think that's when they're they're kind of dangerous is when people give them a little bit of disrespect. Is it possible that Alabama is both overrated and underrated coming into this season? Uh, I think there's a possibility of that. You know, I mean, I, I the idea that this oh dynasty's over with is is kind of crazy. And, and and I don't 
And if it is, you know, how would we even define dynasty? You know, I, I think what we're seeing is a dynasty being built in Athens, quite honestly. Um, and, and part of the rise of of what has happened in Athens is that you know the 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 uh, the dismay of of Alabama's program a little bit. The the, rec- the recruits have been taken away from there. Just you know, how good you know Georgia is at all positions and the depth at all positions and and being able to you know, kind of. You know, knock Alabama out a couple of times here recently. It's a, um, it, it's, it, it's, there can only be one, but you know, you look at the win total for Alabama this year, it's 10 and a half. I mean, that's, that's not a, uh, it's, that's not a bad season by most college football programs' terms. It, it, if you miss the playoffs again for the second straight year, I think Alabama fans would certainly be a little upset about that. But, um, I believe in Coach Saban. I believe in what they've built there um, in terms of of culture, and I believe in their ability to put people in the NFL. And um, that that's something that I think that's still very attractive to a lot of the top players in the country coming out of high school. When you look at the SEC, you know way the the predictions are going to go when we get to media days. I think everybody's going to have Georgia at the top of the SEC, Alabama and LSU fighting it out here in the West, and then probably Tennessee second in in the East. So that's that's four. Who's the fifth best team in the SEC this year? Man, you can make an argument. We we talked about that last year at SEC Media Days. Who the third best team was in the country? And I, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I'm big on Al, uh, LSU. Uh, you you mentioned Malik Neighbors a second ago. I had a chance to cover LSU at, at the Citrus Bowl last year, and, and that team looks like they are on a mission, man. In terms of of uh, you know what they feel like they're capable of, the confidence that they have. So I, I have them as my my. Uh, representative from the West in the SEC championship game again. Um, but as it relates to that that next best team, man, I, I had a chance to to cover so we're talking about we're talking about the fifth are we talking about fourth or fifth here? We yeah, feel good Tennessee about would be yeah, four. yeah, we got Tennessee at four. Man, I, I'm I'm high on on uh Ole Miss. You know, I, I think they may, may may have the best quarterback room in the country. Had a chance to cover them in the in the spring uh, game this year for the SEC Network, um, you know, I I <laughs> I keep saying it, and uh, it's losing a little bit of the the punch. You know, I think the the boy who cried wolf after last year's prediction about Kentucky, but I believe in you know they they went out and got a one of the best available quarterbacks in the transfer portal in Devin Leary, bringing back Liam Cohen. There's a lot of big coordinator hires this offseason. But bringing back Liam Cohen, not bringing him back, getting him to come back to the college ranks, getting him to come back to Lexington was a huge coup. So I mean, you know, I'm tempted to put put Kentucky in that mix, maybe as the as the fifth best team. But I would say, I would say those two teams, and and maybe the biggest mystery of all this offseason is Texas A&M. We're so used to la- the last two years of them being overranked. And then you start wondering this year, well, maybe are they underranked a little bit? Seven and a half wins is what Vegas has them at. You know, how does the Bobby Petrino experiment work out? So many uh, former head coaches on that that staff with Steve Adazio and DJ Durkin, along with 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 Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino. It's like, all right, do we have too many cooks in the kitchen there? Is this finally the the move that they need to help take advantage of all that talent they've accumulated? You brought up AM. You know, I would say a season ago, going from top, you know, 10 preseason to a losing record was probably the biggest overall surprise in the conference. Maybe LSU winning the West could be up there as well. What's what's the surprise this year, be it good or bad? What's the team that's going to surprise in 2023? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I kind of uh, took the wind out of the sails there with talking about Kentucky prematurely, but I think they could be 
a team that that really surprises. I, I'm a huge Mark Stoops fan. I love what he's built there. I, I feel like they underachieved last year because of their offensive line. Um, and I don't know if they've been able to shore up the offensive line issues that haunted them last year, but they've they've got they've got a lot of really good talent there and uh, a great culture in that locker room. Um, South Carolina's one man. You know, I, I've I've under predicted South Carolina the last two years and and all Shane Beamer his his group have done has gone out there and and proved me wrong uh, I think they're also at a seven or seven and a half win total um one of my co-hosts on SEC this morning uh Alyssa Lang a, a proud Gamecock graduate and I were having a discussion about Carolina the other day she you know we went through the schedule and she she saw a route that they could get to 10 wins so you know I, I don't know if that'll happen hopefully Spencer Rattler can keep up the the hot streak he was on at the end of the season. But, um, you know, I really believe in in what uh, Shane Beamer has built there in Columbia and, and what a great example of, you know, everybody on the outside doesn't always know best. They, they, they went out and hired a guy that had no coordinator experience uh, based upon, you know, the, the fit from him and his previous time there in Columbia. And it's, it's worked really well so far. You mentioned South Carolina. They play Mississippi State in week four. For State, that game is sandwiched between LSU and Alabama. For Carolina, it's sandwiched between Georgia and Tennessee. Is that the swing game of the season for both of those teams? The winner of that game can maybe push for eight, maybe even nine wins. The loser of that game will have to, to really work to get to seven. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and, you know, another one of those mystery teams is certainly Mississippi State. I mean, we don't know. You know what what they're going to look like. Um, what what's the uh, you know what's even the offense going to look like? Will Rogers comes back. Will Rogers probably the least talked about, most experienced quarterback in the country. And and um, you know I, I Zach Arnett is a guy I really liked as a as a defensive coordinator. Can he transition into being the head coach? And how does the offense look different without Mike Leach at the helm? But yeah, I think that's a um, that's a, a a huge game there to you know really affect the trajectory of each of those those teams programs and you mentioned I'm glad you talked about where those game where that game falls in terms of of on the schedule so much of the success and, and we did the the 2024 um opponent release on on Wednesday last week on the SEC network yeah. we released the opponents but we don't have the dates yet so it's it's really hard to predict what a team's going to do without knowing the succession of of games like it's it's so many times you have a, a three-game swing when successive weeks in the SEC that can make or break your season. And and each of those that you mentioned there, the, the, the Mississippi State-South Carolina game, is sandwiched in some very difficult games for each of those. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a very challenging thing to handicap, especially without knowing you know, the health of the team heading in. We started with receivers. We'll finish with one here in Starkville. Tulu Griffin, we know that he's a game-changer in special teams, probably the best kickoff return man in the SEC, maybe in, in the country. In this new offense, they're moving him into the slot, which seems to be a more natural position for him. Can he be a game-changer for Mississippi State at receiver? Oh, I, I think so for sure. I mean, you, you talk about his abilities with the ball in his hand, what he has in, in terms of measurables. Um, you know, can you translate that? That's what great offensive coordinators do is they find ways to get their, their best and most dangerous uh, playmakers in, in one-on-one situations. And, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they are able to utilize him knowing what he's capable of doing. And, and, and certainly, you know, with the commitment to push the ball down the field a little bit more, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for him to have 
more more big plays catching the ball down the field instead of just uh you know having to 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 make people miss with the ball in his hand. Any day you can talk about college football is a good day. Glad to do it with Chris Doring from the SEC Network, man. Really appreciate your time. Man, thanks for having me. Look forward to being back soon. All right, thanks to Chris for his time. Really good stuff there. You can tell he's high on Tulu Griffin there, Robbie. He, he obviously thinks that Tulu is going to be a, a big-time player for Mississippi State. I find it interesting in that you feel like there's going to be less targets and less catches for these guys, but they have more opportunities to make plays based off of what this offense is. Is, is that... Is that a fair, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, is that a fair statement? No, I think it is. The The yards after catch should improve. The yards per catch should improve. I think you're just going to see more opportunities for big plays because you're going to get them out in space. You're going to have play action. You're going to put uh, Tula Griffin in motion, give him some jet sweeps, maybe put him in the backfield some. The way that he's going to be utilized, I think, is the biggest thing. That you're that's, that's going to be the biggest difference. So while the catches are probably going to go down, I think big plays are going to be greater. Yards after catch are going to be greater, and then yards per catch probably as well. I, I mean, I agree with that. So after Tulu, who's the guy? You know, when you talk about receivers, is it Justin Robinson for you? Is it Jaden Wally? If I said, you know, let's say Tulu Griffin is state's leading receiver at the end of the year, I don't know that he will be, but let's just throw that in there. Who's number two? Probably going to be Justin Robinson. I would think that's. Tulu and Justin Robinson were the clear-cut like starters for Mississippi State in the spring. That mm-hmm. there was not a question as to whether or not they were going to be starting. Xavier Thomas, you can move around, you can move him in there, starter, he can be backup. You don't know yet uh, where Jaden Wally kind of falls into place. Jordan Mosley, same thing. You did know that Justin Robinson was going to be outside. Tulu was going to be in the slot. And I think those are your top two guys. I think Justin Robinson's got better and better as the year went on. In the bowl game, I I believe that was his coming out party. I think that's going to be a, a big-time boost for him going into the season. He looked very confident in the offseason. So, to me, that's your one and two. And I think it could go either way. Robinson could be your leading receiver or Tulu. I tend to agree with you. But I, think, I, I one thing I would say is that this is going to be Jaden Wally's last season in Starkville. Had such an incredible freshman year. His last two years have been good, but not great. And you know, you, you're average even. I think he goes out with, with a big season here. I think, I think, especially he's been a good red zone target, despite the fact that he's not the biggest receiver in the world. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a guy who pushes for seven, eight touchdowns this season, and then we'll see what he gets from the, for the catches and the yards. He's a guy I think you know again in a system where that you're gonna put him in position to make plays after the catch. He's an underrated guy for that. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Jaden Wiley does in his final season in Starkville. All right. Who knows what's going to happen this weekend? More commitments? Could be. More portal action? Possibly. We don't you, know. You hope. You I hope. hope. I do hope. I won't lie to you. I, 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 I'm going to be honest. I do hope. You evil, evil man. I am. I am a bad person. I've never, I've never, not, not one time have I ever come on this podcast and said either of these two things. I have never said I'm a good person, and I have never said I was smart. So That's if you fair. think I'm dumb, if you think I'm a bad person, well, buddy, I never told you different. That's fair. So there you go. I so, don't know if I can disagree with that. You can't. You cannot. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk about it on Sunday. Also, on and, we'll, Sunday. and on Thursday, and on Thursday we will be in Clarkson. Oh yeah, I the Catfish Tour yeah. rolls on. 
The Catfish Tour does roll on. So today, as uh, you're listening, uh, we will be in Clarkson, Mississippi at Clarkson General Store. Uh, come have lunch. Come talk to us. Jonathan Banks and Tobias Smith are joining us, a couple of former MSU legends. They'll be there. I uh, saw so some folks from Superior Catfish who, if the last two stops have been any indication, they'll have plenty of swag to give away, T-shirts, hats, uh, koozies, all sorts of great stuff. So check, come check us out at Clarkson's General Store for some great catfish and a fun time as the Thunder and Lightning Catfish Tour, sponsored by Superior Catfish, rolls on. And we're going to say come in about 11, yeah, 11 to lunch. 11.30. Lunchtime. Yeah. Well, some people's lunchtime varies. We we'll, we will talk to Banks sometime around eleven thirty. Then we'll have our our show following that. So, if you want to come in about eleven thirty, that sounds about right. Perfect. Perfect. All right, we'll talk to you then. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Adad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. Talk Mississippi Media Production.